I don't feel like we can have a Christmas party without talking about Jesus for just a minute. Um, And so I'm going to read just a little bit for you um, from the account of Jesus's birth into this world. All right, I'm going to pray for us real quick. God, I thank you for this night. I thank you for the students that you've brought um, here tonight. Lord, we just lift up those that that couldn't make it, um, that may be out for one reason or another. We ask that you would would just be uh, with them, but Lord, you would also um, just encounter us tonight, encounter our hearts and our minds. Um, Lord, that you would speak through me, speak through your scripture, um, that we may understand it in a fresh way, in a new way, um, Lord, that we may not have have previously understood it in. Um, Lord, that that you would um, just be at work. Lord, we love you, and we thank, thank, we are thankful that you are in control, Lord, and that uh, you have plans for us. You ask that you, I just ask that you'd help us to follow those plans and to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, so there are four Gospels. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in the four Gospels, <clears throat> they account at the beginning of them, and in a little bit different ways, they, account, they have an account of Jesus' birth of the details of what happened when Jesus came down to earth. And we're going to pick up in Matthew real quick. We're going to pick up in Matthew real quick. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. That a lot of you have heard the Christmas story, that, that you've read the, the passages, that, that if you're like me, uh, my mom's actually here um, tonight, which is kind of cool, and my, my dad are hanging out. Um, but, but if you're like me, then your mom, like, retells the Christmas story every Christmas as if like you've never heard it before because she's that excited about it. And so it kind of can get like monotonous a little bit where you're like, okay, I know it. I've heard it. And you just want to kind of make fun of your mom because she's being goofy, but, but it's because she loves it that much and she loves the Christmas story that much. And so I, I just encourage you to think about it in a way, real quick, I encourage you to think about it in a way that you, like, like you've never heard it before. I want you to throw everything aside that you, you think you know, that you've heard about um, Jesus and his birth. And I, I just want you to, to put it to the side for a minute. And I just want you to listen with, with fresh ears, okay? I want you to listen with fresh ears as if you'd never heard the Christmas story before. Here's how it starts in Matthew. This is verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in a way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, that means engaged. Before they came together, she found out, she found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. I want you to pay attention to the role of the Holy Spirit in this also. I want you just to to mark mark in your brain every time you hear the word Holy Spirit and think about what is the Holy Spirit doing? How is the Holy Spirit at work? And so he says, uh, Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, and before they, came to, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So they were engaged, but before they were married or doing anything that could cause a child, she was found to be with child. And her husband Joseph, just being, uh, being just a man, unwilling to put her to shame, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And so Joseph's a good dude, and he was like, yo, lady, that ain't my baby. And I'm not going to shame you in front of everybody, but like, we, we done. Like, we're, we're, we're out of it. <clears throat> but here's what happens. <clears throat> but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, 
For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's at work. He says, man, the Holy Spirit is, is doing something spectacular, something miraculous, that she is, has a child in her, but yet has not cheated on you. So stay with her. He says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. <clears throat> and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, anytime they say a prophet, real quick, anytime they say a prophet, they're talking about Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, a lot of people said, here's what Jesus is going, here's where the Savior's going to come. Here's how the Savior's going to come. Pay attention, be on the lookout for when the Savior comes. And he says, the angel says, look, man, this is fulfilling what the prophets have said. This is angel. He says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, meaning he did not do anything that would cause a baby to be born, right? The, the things that have to happen for a child to be born, Joseph did not do. And so the child could not have, no one could have said, no, that's Joseph's child. No, they, were, they kept each other separate until the child was born. And he called his name Jesus. So I want you to hear this. So the prophet said, hey, you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Joseph said, I'm going to call him Jesus, meaning Jesus, it correlates with Emmanuel. They are, they are one and the same, meaning God with us. He's talking about the time when God on in heaven came down to earth as man in the form of a baby. That it wasn't just a baby, but it was God saying, I'm going to earth to be with you. And I'm going to live a full life, being born as a man, but yet fully God. Did you hear that? Man, this is a big deal. It's more than just a baby. This is God with us. This is God placing his feet on earth, stepping down from his throne to put his feet on earth. Not, not, not taking in his godly powers into consideration, but saying, man, I will, I will set those aside and live the life that you live. It continues, the story continues in Luke. Luke 2, 22 through 33. And so Matthew kind of like skips a little spots and, and has certain details. And then Luke um, fills in some of those details and John fills in and Mark fills in. And so you, you, you go to Luke 22, this is what it says. When the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses. And so what you understand is eight days. The time comes for the purification of Jesus eight days later. So Matthew says, man, and they called him Jesus. And in eight days, Luke picks up. He says, and they came time for the purification for the law of Moses. The Old Testament, I want you to stay with me for a second. The Old Testament talks about all the law that man must do to be righteous, to be right with God. And Jesus came into the earth as a baby and fulfilled every law, kept every law, and then died on the cross to defeat the laws, to, to pay the, your sins when you break the laws, and to, and to give you new life. And so even as a baby, this is super important, even as a baby, even eight days old, Jesus is fulfilling the laws, is following the laws, never having broken any law that no man could ever follow. And so that's a super important, just a little snippet right there. 
It says they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. That's such a weird way of saying that. Like, I don't want to see anyone open a womb. And, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so they came and they killed these two pigeons or turtle dove. And man, I, like, they just, I just want to grill one, right? Like, I just want to hope they ate them. All right. So it continues. And it says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And so they walk into this temple and then there's this man in Jerusalem, his name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, meaning he was right with God. He had rightness, he did not have any wrongness in him, that he was righteous. And he was devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he has seen the Lord Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, and I'm gonna stop right there. So this guy, Simeon, I want you to hear this. This guy, Simeon is in the temple. He's devout. He, he is in tune with what God is doing. And the Holy Spirit is on him and the Holy Spirit is in him. And the spirit is leading him. And he goes into the temple and the spirit is saying to him, I can imagine saying, hey, the savior of the world, the savior of Israel that all the prophets have talked about, the savior, the one that's going to bring light to the Gentiles, to those that aren't even Israelites or Jews, to all men. He's here. He's coming. You will not die before you see him. You need to get up. He was on his couch or wherever he was. Get up and you need to go to the temple. <clears throat> and so Simeon, you probably never heard this in the Christmas story. Simeon gets up and he goes to the temple. And now if any person would have asked Simeon, how do you know that, that Jesus is here? How do you know the Savior is here? He would have said, man, the Spirit told me. They said, who? The Spirit. Who? The Spirit told me. That the Holy Spirit was speaking to him so clearly and so strongly that he got up for no reason. Someone said, where are you going to the temple? Why? Because I need to go. Why? 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 Because the Savior's there. How do you know? I just know. That it was unexplained by humans why Simeon would have known other than the Spirit was on him. That so often we think what Simeon was experiencing, uh, like I've been reading this book about missionaries and about how people all over the world today are experiencing the Holy Spirit like that. Eyes right here. I can hear you from up here. How people all over the world are experiencing the Holy Spirit like that. That they are doing things that are unexplained. Like, I don't even have time to tell you all about them. Unexplained that the Spirit is speaking to people so clearly and so powerfully that God says, man, like Jesus was good. It was good that God was with us, but the Holy Spirit is God in us. That Jesus said, man, you are going to do far, things far exceeding what I have done because the Holy Spirit will be in you. Simeon is an example of this, that God was leading him, that this is a, a, just a sample of what the Holy Spirit would come and do in man. That it's the same Holy Spirit that, guards, that, that guided Simeon that is in you if you have placed your faith in Jesus. He says, man, that's the Holy Spirit that's going to lead you and guide you and speak clearly to you when you need to hear him. If you'll listen, 
If you'll posture your heart in a place where you say, God, I'm surrendering to you. I want to hear your voice. Simeon was devout and righteous, man. He had surrendered his life to God and he was moving. And this is what Simeon said. He said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marvel at what they said about him. That they marvel that they were holding this, this eight-day-old baby and they brought him into the temple and this man randomly came and said, man, this is the Savior. They say, how do you know? He said, I just know the Spirit of God told me that this is the Savior of the world. And it goes with everything that God had already told his parents, Mary and Joseph. And so they knew it affirmed it. And so he comes and he says, God, this is the Savior. I can rest in peace. I can die now. You said I would live until I saw this kid. And now I see your revelation. I see how your, your salvation, you can take me. And his parents, Mary and Joseph, were there. And they're just marveling at it. Like, oh my goodness, man, this is God on earth walking as a man. The weight of Jesus fully laid on them, understanding This is something to celebrate. And they marveled. It's like you when you first came to know Jesus, most likely. And you marveled at Jesus. He's ever impacted your heart where you're there and you find forgiveness and you marvel at Jesus. They marveled at Jesus. But sometimes life gets in the way. Sometimes our hearts and our minds get dull to that first revelation of Jesus. So you look 12 years later, I want to fast forward 12 years in the life of Jesus. It's really interesting. You fast forward 10 verses, it fast forwards 12 years in the life of Jesus. That's what I said. Luke 42, 42 through 46. It said, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom And when the feast had ended, and so here's what's happening. They went to the Passover feast, celebrating the Passover lamb. That way back when, when they were in slavery to Egypt, that that, um, the Lord told them, hey, or Moses told them, hey, slaughter a lamb, put it on your doorpost. The, The angel of death will come by. And if we see that you have sacrificed the lamb, you've placed it on your doorpost, the angel of death will pass on. And so they celebrated. And after that, Pharaoh let them free and they went free. And so every year they commemorated when God saved them, when the lamb, when, when, the, when the angel of death passed over them and they were set free. <clears throat> and, and what you need to understand is that Jesus became the, the permanent Passover lamb, that he's the reason that we don't have to suffer an eternal death because he died death. He died the death we should have died. And he lived the life we should have lived, giving us salvation that we shouldn't have. And so it's interesting, they're at the Passover feast when the the, the new Passover lamb is celebrating the old Passover feast. And they're there. And it's a tradition and they do it. It's a command. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing, but supposing him to be with the group, They went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. 
I don't know if you're catching the weight of what's going on here. Mary and Joseph just lost Jesus. How fun is that conversation with God? Like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. You said you only had one son, and I lost him. Do you have another son? Please, I'm sorry, God. Like, what is that conversation, right? And they're like whispering because they're like, maybe you won't hear all the details. Like, I'm sorry, I lost him, Jesus. Oh, can you imagine that they lost him? That they supposed that he was with the crowd? That they supposed that he was there? That this is the original home alone. It says, they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to continue searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Uh Uh-oh. You just lost Jesus for three days. He's alone in the temple for three days. Where does the kid even sleep, right? He's like, I'm in the pew number two, right? Like, I'm over there. Like, where are you eating? You're eating the communion bread? Like, I don't know what he's living on. For three days, they're searching for Jesus and searching for Jesus. Why? Because they supposed. They went from marveling about Jesus and keeping their eye constantly on Jesus to supposing Jesus was with them. That how often is that our life where we go from marveling about Jesus to where we get distracted by life and distracted by our circumstances and distracted by our presence and distracted by the reason for the season, Christmas, and distracted by these things. And we suppose Jesus is about it, but we lose sight of Jesus. They lost sight of Jesus. So I I wonder how many of us would be like Mary and Joseph, that when we understand that we've lost sight of Jesus, that we would go on an extensive search to find him, to be reunited with him. They lost him for three days. They found him in the temple, sitting among people learning and asking questions. And it says, it says when they got there, it says that the people were in awe of what Jesus was saying. Don't you hear this? They started supposing Jesus was with them and other people began to marvel at Jesus. That if Jesus is in your presence, you can't help but marvel at him that you can't help but be captivated by him. You can't help but be changed by him. That Mary and Joseph, they've stopped living every day captivated and changed by Jesus. But they just started to suppose, I guess he's here, I guess he's with us, he's around. That we say, and we so easily, man, our, our Christian sayings, oh, Jesus is a reason for the season. Remember who this is for. 
It's Jesus' birthday. And we can say the words, but how does that actually change your life? How does that actually transfer into action? See, I think what we need to understand about all of it is that means that it can't be about us. That if Jesus is the reason for the season, then I am not. If Jesus is the reason for the season, then you are not. That matter of fact, Christmas is not about you. Step on your toes a little bit. That is not about what presents you are supposed to get or you deserve to get. That is not about how people are supposed to treat you or you deserve to be treated. We live in such an entitled society where I deserve more. I deserve. No, you don't. Would it be nice if people treated you well? Absolutely. Is my heart's desire that you feel loved and you succeed? Absolutely. But do you deserve it? As much as I do, and I don't. That if I'm the reason for the season, if I'm the reason we should celebrate, if it's anything I have done, then Jesus is not. But if Jesus is the reason for the season, if he's the reason when he came down to earth as a man, not because he had to, not even because he was any kind of obligated to or felt pressure to, but simply because he loved you. Because he loved you. It means he's the reason. It means I am not. It means it's not about me. It's not about my desires. It's not about what, what I think I deserve. It's not about what, what other people do to me or, or what I should have to do to them in, in response. Jesus said, man, it's about me. It's being, it's being people who are about me. And here's what I need you to understand. We're closing right now. That being a person who is about Jesus is someone who lives for Jesus. Who says, man, I, I want to love like Jesus. I want to give like Jesus. I want to sacrifice for Jesus. I want to forgive like Jesus. I want to care for others like Jesus. I want to be hospitable like Jesus. And not based on what anyone else's actions are, not based on what anyone else will give me or what they won't give me. Not based on what kind of weird cologne your weird aunt's going to buy you. The one who likes cats, who's crazy and knits a lot. Man, I'm going to love them. Then I'm going to make Jesus the reason for the season by the way I act. Not by the words I say. Some of you have a hard time doing that. Why? Because you do not know Jesus as your savior. Because you never said, man, I, I am surrendering my life to you. And so I just invite you in that. But if tonight you want to say, man, I, I, I get it. God came to earth that he lived the life I couldn't live. He obeyed the laws I couldn't obey. That he died the death I should have died, that he, that he gave me life that I shouldn't have. 
that I'm trusting him. I, I desire that life. And so I'm surrendering myself to his will. That, that is what it takes. It's not a magical words or, or, or sentence or a magical prayer. It's simply saying, God, I understand I'm a sinner. And I ask that you forgive me. I want to place my faith in you. And then placing your faith in him and saying, God, whatever the next step is, I want to take it. Some of you in here, the Lord is calling you to do that. He's placed it on your heart. And I invite you to, to do that. I invite you to talk to a leader about that. Some of you, you've been supposing a lot about Jesus. That you've stopped marveling at Jesus. Stop being captivated by Jesus. You stop being changed by Jesus. And I encourage you, search after him. Take Mary and Joseph's example. And to strive to hear the Holy Spirit like Simeon does. To be a part of God's greater story and God's greater plan. He has huge things in store. And I I hope you are a part of that. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and just close your eyes. Christmas is not about us. It's about how great Jesus is. That he has given us life and he has given us freedom. That he's loved us unconditionally. That he's forgiven us continually. He says, anyone who trusts in me would have life and have it abundantly. So I invite you. Place your faith in him. God, I thank you. I thank you for allowing us to celebrate your life. For the stories that come from your scripture, God, as we trust that these are not myths, they are not just good stories, but God, this is history, that this is fact when you came to earth. God, help us. I pray that that would hit home in our life every day outside of the Christmas season, that in the middle of May, that would hit home in our life that you came to earth For us, because you loved us. And God, that that we would, in those times, uh, begin to marvel at you once again, that you would capture our attention, that you would capture our priorities, or that you would move powerfully. We love you and we thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.